Hey everybody, how are you today? Welcome to the show. This is Tango Uncorked with Adam Hoopengardner. That is me. This is episode number four. And this week we are joined by our good friend, Dr. Michael Ricciardi, the dentist with the dragon tattoo. I'm going to start off by apologizing for the sound quality. I'm still getting the nuts and bolts of this recording thing. I am not an audio technician. I am uh, a dancing person who likes to talk to people, and I think you might want to hear their stories. However, I'm still working out the kinks, and I will admit that I could have worked this kink out sooner. Perhaps I should have done a five-minute sound check with with our guest and then stopped and, and recalibrated. But we were on a bit of a time crunch um, we had a party coming to our door and literally I was out in Staten Island. That's another thing is that all of these recordings I've done in different locations. So I'm constantly adjusting to the environment and the acoustics and things of that nature. And as I said already that I, uh, I'm not a master at this, so I don't really know how to calibrate. Anyway, I think we had a good conversation. I hope you will enjoy it and you'll be able to deal with the, um, the sound imbalancement. I did my best to, to adjust it, but overall it was a fun conversation. It went by pretty quickly. I know it's an hour and a half long and that can seem kind of daunting, but but he has a lot to offer. He's a really smart guy. Uh, we had a nice uh, discussion about many things. I will break it down in the show notes. Also, if you enjoy the show or shows thus far, please subscribe or leave a review or click on some stars. And... Um, Dr. Mike had a really nice party on Friday evening at his uh, his place in Staten Island. It was like a mini milonga. It was his second. The first one happening last the end of last summer, I believe. This one was a special occasion. Our good friend Joanna is moving to the City of Angels. And she came here from D.C. a few years ago and has been a pretty fun part of the community, a nice person to have around, a good person to get to know. And she'll be taking off for the Bigger Apple. Uh, at the end of the month, and we're going to miss her, but luckily Tango's a small world, and we'll probably cross paths again. I've yet to dance in L.A., but I hope to try it soon. Met some nice people out there. have come to visit us, I should say, and uh, they all seem pretty lovely. What else is going on? It's Monday. I'll be showing, uh, I'll be broadcasting this tomorrow, and... I think this week I'll go for that interview with Alexis Rosen. We'll see. We have Jack Hanley DJing Tango Cafe on Wednesday. I'd also like to mention the Cleveland Tango Bowling Marathon is happening at the end of July. And registration is filling up. It's going to be a great year. I can tell already by who's uh, who's coming, who's on the paper, who's on the sheets. I run that with some good friends of mine, Alberto and Michaela, who are based in Cleveland, Ohio, and have done an amazing job developing the community there. Uh, community development is, a, is our, uh, how do I say this? The community development part of Tango is the hardest and often most underappreciated aspect. People don't seem to realize that a lot of uh, the legwork that is done is done for free and it's done out of uh, love and a passion to just keep this thing going. So I really appreciate everybody who's out there laying the groundwork Um one time, Tete, I went to a class with Tete, and it was only Chico and I in the class, which I thought was astounding since it's freaking Tete. And I think he said something to the effect of that he's the he's the guy pushing the putting the coal in the furnace. So he was making a point about how some people are just 
are just here to keep things running and they don't really get any of the attention. So I hope you enjoy the show, and as I said before, I will continue working out the uh, the sound glitches. So I appreciate your patience, I appreciate you listening, and uh, here we go with the show. I can hear. I got my notes. So I hear I'm me. gonna start. I want to tell you a story. I was I was getting on the bus today. Wait, is this Bay part Ridge. of the podcast? Yeah. Okay. This is really funny. I was in line for the bus to get on the Arizona Bridge, but whatever the express bus. So would you go to Bay Ridge? Yeah. And I get on the bus, and there's this dude next to me drinking a can of Miller Lite. He just got off work. <laughs> He's wearing construction boots and shit. It's like a tall boy. And there's a guy across from him drinking a can of Budweiser in a brown bag and the dude with the Budweiser and I'm thinking like oh this guy's, that's cool I kind of think it's fun and the dude and they're but they're like I don't even think they knew each other but the dude in the Budweiser can he looks at the guy with the middle uh, the Coors Light can he says hey man why are you drinking this shit <laughs> <laughs> it's like the pot calling the kettle black <laughs> know, like, uh, interesting that's funny. yeah I mean that's uh and they were coming to Staten Island, obviously. Yeah, and the one guy who the one guy got off with the cars light, he got off at the first stop, like Fingerboard Road, and then the other guy was staying on, and he made a phone call at some point, and he asked the bar, he called the bar, and he asked the bartender to have a shot ready for him when he got there. Oh man! This dude was like, hardcore. And I can't believe how some drunks can be so active. <laughs> <sighs> I've known. I'm out for like a solid day after I drink. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I've known people that could stay out all night, sleep two hours, and then get up and function the next day. But I'm with you. I'm out for like three days. Yeah. That's why I can't drink that much anymore. I'm just, yeah. you know, especially I'm not. I'm getting a little bit older. Yeah, it definitely catches up. Let's say more mature. I'm getting a little bit more mature. Age brings maturity because your body. Doesn't you, you have no choice physically to mature? You have to mature. <laughs> you have no fucking choice. You really have no fucking choice. Your body's like, no, no more. Enough. Yeah. Cut grow the up. shit. Grow up. I'm growing up. You yeah. grow up. You have to grow I'm up. I'm your fucking body. I'm <laughs> telling you, I'm growing up. <laughs> no, it's like life's way of forcing you to do things that are better for you. All right, you want to do that? All right, I'm going to put you down for five days. Mm-hmm. How about that? You're not going to be able to function at any kind of capacity. You're yeah, done. Wisdom comes through pain. <laughs> you're laughing but that's fucking true yeah, I know. you know yeah. I mean most people's wisdom comes through some sort of lesson or suffering or, or something like that so yeah wisdom comes through pain mm-hmm. hell yeah and from drinking on the bus absolutely yeah I don't know how people could do that I don't know I, I just I, I don't get it I have a friend who uh, I went to high school with who Obviously, he's my age. He's a little bit more mature in age. But he could drink all night, party, like, to this day. Like, almost every night, he's out. Is he in good shape? Like, Guys physically? Like, are in good like shape. he's, like, yeah. muscular? No. No, he's not. Okay. No, no. But he's just, like, a regular guy. He's got, like, a belly. He's, you oh, know, okay. 40-something. But he just has this innate, I don't know, mental toughness capacity to 
this huge buffer i don't i don't know what it is this huge internal physical buffer where you can get fucked up and still function at a fairly high level and he's like a really successful person i, I don't know like i don't get it i see like that are, are also seem to somehow they stay in shape somehow like i because the metabolism and all the processing and all that shit it's like they're built for that shit i mean there's no doubt about it because if i'm i mean i quit drinking beer i usually quit in the fall and try to usually make it throughout like the spring and then it's so nice out and i want to go out for a beer in the you're full of shit that's true true. true. but i've been like the past two weeks i've been drinking beer again because it's like i'm outside it's a nice afternoon i want to have a beer Oh, you're saying specifically beer. You're not talking about like No, no, specifically alcohol. beer because my metabolism, like when I start drinking beer, I'm, I get fucking fat. I mean, I can see it. You know, I can feel it. I feel a little sluggish the next day and blah, and like total like shit. So I definitely have to, but some people seem to just like, they just put it down like fucking water. Well, I, I, I think it's definitely proportional to the amount of muscle mass you have on your body for sure you know the more muscle mass you have the more you burn calories just in general so it's a lot easier to to burn alcohol <clears throat> i mean you it, it's funny how we're starting this podcast just talking about alcohol <laughs> well we're, we're having a party tonight that's right Staten Island along and number two part two the uh not a going away party, Malanga. Not a going away for. For Joanna. Good friend Joanna. Yeah. Whose name I never said right for a while. But how can you not say Joanna right for a while? It's one of those names like Christine, Christina, Chris, like Joan. Oh, Joanne, Joanna. Joanna. Like, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I don't fuck. It took me, I had to ask her like seven times. Yeah, it doesn't it's matter. It's too subtle. Yeah. You could. It doesn't matter. Christine, Christine. But you can like cut it short and she'll still answer. I'm sure. Yeah. She might get mad at you though. Polite. Well, she's polite sometimes. Yeah. She'll call you out on it. But she's moving uh, to California in a couple of weeks. And uh, she's been my uh, you know, tango partner for what? A year and a half? Two years? We've been doing a lot of classes together. Uh, yeah, I was looking at some old emails from Chico and I when we had like, you know, we're sending each other the list of students and whatnot for the next coming seminar. And I think it's going back like two years now. Yeah, yeah I was curious, like what you're, what's, what's next for Dr. Mike, who, by the way, is the guy I'm talking to on the show today. We didn't introduce you yet. <laughs> I mean, I'll introduce you in the introduction. Well, I want to introduce me now. I want a proper introduction. You can't do this podcast without doing a proper introduction. So we're uh, six minutes in, and I'm going to introduce my guest today. It's, uh, well, I've had so I've had this issue with names. I've realized I can't pronounce any of my guest names besides Rebecca and, and Dan Dunbar. So that's half. That's fifty percent. I'm doing all right. But your last name is Richardi. Well, you're, I'm with you. I can't can barely pronounce my last name either. For some reason, I don't know why, because I have my own unique accent. I don't know really what it is. Like, people don't even know where I'm from. I've gotten Boston. I've gotten London. How do you say park the car? Park your car? All right, you're not from Boston. Yeah, so. So it's Ricciardi. 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 Some people say Ricciardi, some people say Ricciardi. Well, because of the way it's spelled. Yeah. I would think, I I at first thought Ricciardi. 
Technically, if you're Italian, that would probably be the correct way of saying it. So, we're here with Michael Ricciardi. Close enough. <laughs> Just fucking with you. <laughs> the dentist with the dragon tattoo. <laughs> Forever Do your known. patients know you have a dragon tattoo? Um, I don't see why they would. I mean, actually, it'd be weird if they knew, because that means you'd have to literally show every single one of your patients. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, that would mean I have to work topless. <laughs> which I'm not opposed to working topless, but... Um, it's uh, against OSHA rules, and I could probably uh, lose my practice. Yeah. But there's some, some patients that do know I have a dragon tattoo. Um, it was okay to announce that. Yeah, I mean, when you see me on my office, I'm wearing, uh, I have my get-up, my uniform, my scrubs, and then I have a long sleeve black shirt that goes underneath it that covers up all of my tattoos. Not only do I have a dragon tattoo, I have a tiger tattoo, I have a samurai tattoo. So basically I have two half sleeves and my full back covered. Um, some patients know, some patients don't. It's not like I announce it, but I'm not yeah, yeah. you know, opposed to showing people that are interested. I mean, not opposed, I, I, again, I don't take off my shirt in the office, but I do have photographs of my... my arms and my back and so if the topic comes up you might say like oh check this out hell yeah and especially if they're people that are tattooed themselves right you know there's a very big subculture of that and you want to make them feel comfortable i mean just having people in a dental chair it's an uncomfortable situation anyway mm, yeah. so anything that you can can do to make them feel more comfortable like they trust you you know whether it be like oh you have tattoos i have tattoos or you know, I'm with you, I, I, I get it, I understand where you're coming from. Uh, it's just all about having a comfort level with people. What was the reason you got into dentistry to begin with? Was it a desire for, like, stability? No. Financially? <clears throat> or was it more of, like, an interest in the medical field? Uh, so dentistry for me was kind of an accident. I mean, I, I wouldn't say necessarily an accident. I have uh, one of my cousins, one of my older cousins is a dentist. So it's always been in the kind of arena of possibilities of professions. When I was a sophomore in college, I was a, I was a chemistry major. And I was, uh, my father somehow found out that the dental boards were coming up. And he's like, you know, why don't you take the dental boards? And I'm like, okay. So I walked in took the dental boards what and is a, what would that consist of what kind of questions did they ask you? uh there is like teeth? <laughs> no no because you don't know <laughs> shit about teeth at I the know, time it's like, like no it's all it's all uh, science questions oh, okay. it's uh okay. organic chemistry uh inorganic <laughs> chemistry biology but physics that, that uh topic of interest which is very broad could have taken you in many directions then because Oh, absolutely. Organic chemistry, biology. All yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love working in a lab. Like, I enjoyed, like, the, you know, I was an organic chemistry freak. Like, you know, um, like, I was one of those rare people that actually, like, liked it. Like, I enjoyed it. Uh, organic chemistry is different than inorganic chemistry. There's less math, which was better for me. I, I wasn't really a big fan of math. And it was more visual and perceptual. So you can see molecules and stuff coming together and one molecule comes in and another molecule leaves and, you know, that kind of thing. 
So I was able to kind of visualize it a little bit better. So I enjoyed spending time in the organic chemistry lab doing research and stuff. So yeah, it was just I walked in. It was like a walk-in, took the test. And uh, it was my junior year that I took the test and applied to like three schools, Buffalo, Stony Brook, and NYU, and made NYU and Buffalo, got waitlisted for Stony Brook. And that was after my junior year of college, so I didn't even graduate college. So literally like took the test, made a couple of schools, made my choice, went to Buffalo. And why did you choose Buffalo over staying here? Well, I wanted to stay here. I mean, I, I mean I'm yeah. from New York. I'm from New York City. I grew up here. Like, to me, like, there's no better place than New York City. All my friends were here. Um, <clears throat> and my father was like, you know what kind of student loans you're going to come out with at NYU? Oh, I see. Yeah. And I was like, good point, Dad. Yeah. The funny thing is, it's actually kind of an interesting story. Well, we don't want to hear your stories, Mike. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> No, when I went for my interview for uh, NYU, it was like a blizzard. Like it snowed like two feet that day. Like normal weather in Buffalo. Yeah, it was like normal weather in Buffalo. (laughs) When I went for my interview at at Stony Brook, the same thing. It was a blizzard. It took me like six hours to get home from Stony Brook. I went to my interview in Buffalo. It was February. It was like 70 degrees and sunny. So you got fucked. I got fucked, man. They lied to me. (laughs) You You got fucked. So it was great. I was just like, oh, this isn't so bad. And uh, yeah, it was just a matter of, uh, you know, for me, it was a smarter choice because it was a state school. And at the time, it was like the fifth ranked dental school in the in the country. So it was like a really, really good school, too. Yeah, I mean, even now, it's still pretty good. Yeah, I mean, well. I mean, it's... Eric, our friend Eric went there recently. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, all around, like, Buffalo is like a solid state school mm-hmm. you know um but at the time it was like as far as dentistry goes it was really highly ranked and the student loans weren't nearly as big as nyu so i uh yeah man i took the trek up to buffalo what's the program four years four years it took me five years because of a uh a, <laughs> a snowboarding accident mm. i mean you have to do something when you go to school in buffalo like in the winters, yeah. because the whole 70 degrees and sunny was bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Like literally snows every single day. Like every day I was like hacking ice and snow off my windshield to get to school. So it's either you become an alcoholic, which probably happens a lot in Buffalo, or you learn some sort of like winter activity. And for me, it was uh, snowboarding. So when you got into the accident, that like put you up for, I mean, you were injured enough that you were out? Yeah, so it was my junior year. Is that when you got into painting? No. Like Frida? Because <laughs> she got like, into painting. Because <laughs> she got fucked up, right? She, didn't she no, break her back did. or something? She oh, I did. Yeah, I did get into painting. Uh, that came after dental school, though. Okay, because you did show me a painting of snow and snowboarding or something yeah so that's why i'm putting that together okay but it's not the same time it was uh a few years after okay yeah it was my junior year and uh me and my friend was celebrating like the end of midterms spring semester junior year and uh we went to the mountain 
did some runs, had some lunch, and then drank some uh, margaritas. Which has loosened me up quite a bit, I must <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the margarita will do that. And, uh, yeah, I was going down a run that I've been down a hundred times because that was like my home mountain and I went down there like went to that mountain all the time hit a jump that I hit a hundred times and uh, ended up landing catching like my front edge and when you caught my front edge it like slingshotted my body forward and I slammed my face and my shoulder into the ground and uh, it was just horrendous it was like uh, like a disaster. My friend came back to me and uh, he was like, dude, your face is fucked up. Mm. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I can't move my right arm. He goes, dude, your face is fucked up. <laughs> it's like, I can't move my right arm. So he picked, up, picked me up by my, by my left arm. Because mm-hmm. I had had uh, my roommate was this like surface snowboarder from uh, surface skier from Santa Cruz, California. And he always used to tell me, he was a little bit older than me. He was like, dude, you don't want to go down on the sled. He goes, whatever you do, don't go down on the sled. So in my head, I'm like, I can't move my right arm. My face is fucked up, but I don't want to go down on the sled. Yeah. So I had him pick me up by my left arm and I snowboarded like the whole way down the mountain. I get down to the bottom. He unstraps me because I can barely move. And uh, he carries my board. We go to my car. I look in my mirror and I turn to him and I go, my face is fucked up. (laughs) Yeah, so I busted my nose. My face was just like, just blood from top to bottom. And uh, yeah, I got a a third degree AC. That's my acromioclavicular joint separated, like fully separated. And, uh, yeah, I wasn't able to work on patients for the rest of the year. Yeah. So I took a leave of absence, but because it was at the end of my year, I technically lost that year. Oh, fuck. So I had to redo my junior year as far as clinic goes. Not classes. Well, I guess you get a lot of extra practice. Yeah, I got a lot of extra practice. (laughs) You did it almost for two years then. Uh, It was, uh, yeah. That's the next year in Buffalo. (laughs) It was, up until that point, the hardest thing that I ever had to do. Right. Like, literally, I mean, think about it. Like, I, you know, a school like that, medical school, law school, dental school, is just so taxing, mm. mentally and emotionally, as far as the quantity of work that you're doing, um, that to have to do that over again and spend an extra year was just, like, heartbreaking. And not only that, like, compound that with, like, seeing all of my friends, like, Moving on and me staying back was just like, yeah. it was it was hard. So coming back after that summer and coming into like the class that was underneath me was probably one of the toughest, but it definitely was the toughest thing I had to do up until that point in my life. But like you said, at the beginning, pain, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> wisdom. I, I literally came out with like friends from both classes. You know, so I had like some of my best friends now are from the class that I would have graduated with and from the class that I did graduate with. So you get to go to two 
Reunions. Fuck. No. I don't care about the reunions, but it's just the, you know it's just meeting the people and making the friends, you know, and uh, you know because in the end that's kind of what it's about. It's about the connections that for me it was about the connections that I made. Yeah. You know, and I made like really really tight connections in both classes. So as difficult as it was, getting into that accident and having to spend another year. In Buffalo, well, also just having to spend all that time healing. Fuck. Yeah, it's painful as shit too, man. I had a cold sore the other day. That sucked. What was that? <laughs> so I had a cold sore the other day. I thought that was bad. Fucking pussy. <laughs> <laughs> cold sore. <laughs> I was fucking around. Yeah, man, that was uh. So, you're. I remember the first day you came to Tango, uh, a Tango event, with Michaela and Alberto. And we were still on the other side in the long room, and they they were performing, right, or something? It was a Wednesday night yeah, at Tango Cafe, yes. And you're her dentist, and good friends with her father. I'm her dentist, and um, I'm very tight with her dad and her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, her dad was my uh, Tai Chi teacher for many years. Yeah. And friend. Yeah. So, you come in, and you start chatting with everybody. Like, so effortlessly. Well, it was, you know, it it was something, like, I remember Michaela, like, showing me, like, a tango video, I don't know, like, six months before, a year before, and, like, I really had no interest in it. Like, I was like, whatever. I didn't even know what it was, to be honest with you, and I had, you know, it was like, people dance, I'm like, who gives a shit? Like, I really didn't care. But when I walked into that room... And I like, I got that vibe and I heard that music and I saw the rhythm of the movement on the floor. It was mesmerizing. And yeah, it it was, uh, it it was such a fucking cool vibe. Well, the reason I brought the, so when I, my first impression of you was that whether you got into the dancing or not, you had the personality that I liked had to have a, like, I feel like there's two kinds of people that dance there's people that want to or maybe it's you know it's definitely more nuanced but there's people that want to get really good at it and ex- and like be the best and then there's people that enjoy the social side the meeting people the learning the the more nuanced side is I don't know whatever um, it's not that you don't want to be good at it or even be better what are you trying to say, suck? No, no, no. <laughs> but it's not as uh, it's not competitive. No. And it's so well. I, it's interesting because I'm reading this book right now, and it's all about the difference between competitiveness and cooperate cooperation. And um, so now that I'm reading it, I'm kind of relating things to what I'm currently reading, as we all do. Um, and yeah, that style, your approach was always more about. Embracing the community, being a part of the community, getting to know the people in the community, and working on yourself, working on your dance. Um, but I feel like people, I could see that if you embrace the dance as much as you embrace the people, you were going to stick around. And if you only embrace one or the other, you're less likely to stick around as one, you or whomever. You know, I'm not saying just you. Um, because it, it, there's so much more around the culture than just like one narrow-minded uh, element. That's all. Yeah, no, I and I'm, I'm, you know, maybe it's because I, I, I 
talk to people every day of my life. Like as a professional, as a dentist, I'm like I listen to people, and I'm generally interested in people and who they are. Um, and you know, I think maybe one of the reasons why some people don't stick around, especially leaders, because tango is so difficult. It's not the easiest thing, and you know, I kind of felt that I was meeting so many interesting people that the draw to me also was the people you know it was yeah. i saw the beauty in the dance i saw the depth in the dance uh but i've met such amazing people you know so i think for me especially you know in the beginning where you suck for a lot a long time a year two years before you even like feel somewhat comfortable on a dance floor and i had no personal dancing background i'm you know, probably technically, if you're not a good dancer, like, you know, like I had no dancing background. I was like shitty, like, you know, and uh, my kind of way into tango was realizing the beauty and the depth of it. And also the people, for sure, the people. I kind of had like a little, I don't know, I wouldn't say motivation or... The way I got dances was I, I became friends with people. <laughs> yeah, but this is what I, I tell, you know, students who are newer and I try to announce to people, at the, you know, people ask me, like, oh, I'm not getting any dances. I said, well, do you, do you know anybody here? I mean, get to know people. Like, that's, we're not, I think most people, you're not, it's not like a fucking dog and pony show where, if you walk in the room and, and yeah, for some people, you know, they're gonna they're gonna glom onto that. Oh, I see the woman with the pretty shoes or the sexy body or the guy who looks great, and they're all gonna try to get to dance with those people. But I think most of us are gonna dance with people we love and care about and want to appreciate. Yeah, or well, you have a connection with. Or yeah, in the connection you generally develop. And it doesn't have to be a, a dancing connection. It could be a personality connection. Or Absolutely. you know what? I just like this person. You know, and they're just starting out. But you know what? He's a she's a cool girl. He's a cool guy, and yeah, we'll dance. Yeah, um, that's what's so cool about tango itself because you can dance at a certain place. You know, the dance is is um, it's never the same. So if you're dancing with a newer person, you hold it down. You know, you chill out. If you're dancing with a more experienced person, you know, you add more whatever. But doesn't you can you can dance in so many different ways that you can basically dance with so many different people. But what for me makes the decision ultimately is do I really care about this person and want to be in their arms for twelve 10 minutes? To twelve minutes, yeah. you know, yeah. It's not even about level, you know. Yeah, and, and listen, there's definitely a hierarchy in tango for sure. But like everything, yeah. Yeah. It so but for me, my way around the hierarchy was to make friends with everybody. And it wasn't like I planned it, but I generally liked them. Like, I would talk to people. I would just, you know, if I danced one or two times a night, I was happy. But I was also happy being social and bullshitting with people and talking to people and getting to know them. Uh, so that when I did ask them, well, they would ask me, like, you want to dance? Like, you're sitting here talking to me for like 20 minutes. Yeah. Let's dance, <laughs> you know? Uh, it was a, a great way for me to kind of develop in tango 
to uh, get to know the people and to you know break down that hierarchy just by making friends with everybody but you're also good at um, like we talked before we started this you have a natural curiosity to get to know people right and I'm curious if uh, if it's well this this uh, this margarita is really <laughs> you had one fucking margarita. I had a half, it's you know it's interesting. I never one time, and you know I can drink. One time I had a sip or two of wine before I taught a class, and I could tell immediately. I was like, never again, because I have such a, a focus and a, and a lineage of how I want things to progress, and I feel that, and I need to be so sensitive to the people I'm around, and. It, it, um, I can't do it, and I know that sounds well. For most professionals, that sounds right, but for some people, it sounds like kind of like a pussy or whatever. But, but yeah, I was like, no way. And so, like, there's certain things while you're speaking that I want to follow up on, and then I'm kind of getting distracted. Then you keep going, and then I want to talk about the next thing, and then there's also the original questions I wanted to talk to you about. So I'm getting a little sidetracked in my own head. Uh, uh, drink some water. <laughs> I'll have some more margarita, please. Um, no, your conversations, are they, um, they're not defensive. What do you mean? Uh, I mean, and maybe that was something that's a theory in my own head. Like, some people are at the Milanga and they're afraid to dance, so they would rather talk. And I'm curious if you're... Maybe you weren't, didn't think about it that way. Maybe, I don't know, maybe this is a stupid question, but were you were you avoiding the dance floor by having conversations? Or were you just, just getting to know people? No, no, I like people. Okay, I mean, because I think I have that tendency. Yeah, no, I was, I was definitely not avoiding the dance floor by getting to know people. Okay. But by getting to know people, it actually made me dance more in the end. Yeah, because sometimes I sit and chat, and then I'm like, oh my God, this has been so long, I don't even... Should I ask now? I mean, it's been 20 minutes. Like, and then sometimes I'll, I'll sit and chat because I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I want to. I don't know. There's like a lot of, maybe I'm just overthinking all these situations. But Yeah, I mean, again, I've been dancing four and a half years now. So it's, uh, that was definitely more in the beginning where it was more chatting, less dancing. And now it's probably more dancing, less chatting. Yeah. So the kind of tides have, have turned a little bit. But I do like to engage... Uh, you know, newer people to come onto the scene, and you know, I'll dance with whoever. Like you said, it's it's. I find that for me, dancing with somebody newer is challenging, but in a good way. It's like, yeah, you have to slow down. You have to keep it simple. You have to focus more on, you know, what's going on in your body and their body. You know, so uh, you well, know. You have to be very clear. You have to be clear. You have and to be super of, clear. Like if you dance with somebody who's more experienced, they can make up for a lot of the things that you leave out or, or neglect. Absolutely. I mean, you, you dance with a professional dancer, or, you know, and it's like you feel like, wow, I'm great. And I think for leaders, it's even worse if you only dance with, let's say you only dance with a professional dancer once a week, maybe you take a private. If you go out dancing socially... You have no idea how much she's compensated for. You no, know? it's true. And it's like, 
Well, how come it's not? That's and then not... I hear people say, and I might have said it myself a long time ago, like, well, they can't follow, they don't understand, you know, but it's really like, you know, when you dance with a beginner or a newer dancer, you really have to have a clear focus on exactly what and how they're going to uh, communicate with you and them are going to communicate with each other. Yeah, and that's kind of, that's something that I, I, I take not only into my dancing, but into everything that I do, that... I feel like if there's a miscommunication somewhere, it's my fault. Mm. It's like somehow I'm not being clear or somehow I wasn't clear enough. You know, I mean, that, that could be anything. Like if something doesn't go in a, in a certain direction that like, you know, you plan or you want to, it's just like, all right, is it the other person's fault or is it your fault? Like, could you be more clear? And it's the same thing with dancing. It's like, you know, with a follower that that is less experienced, you know, how clear are you being? You know, how simple are you being? And how clear are you being with the language you have available? Because, you know, language itself, like the vo- spoken word, it's, it's interpreted so many different ways by the individual who's expressing it and who's hearing I say a word because it means this to me. You hear the same word because it means this to you. And then in the dance, it's movement. Movement communication. And, um, and again, I, I move a certain way because this is what I feel is going to communicate to you. And then you're going to receive it another way. And then, so to me, like, the great secret of life and going back to maybe the idea of wisdom is adaptability. It's like uh, adaptability is survival. And, uh, and for tango, you've got to survive, you got to adapt, you know. Like, that's why having the many, understanding, being aware of all the options that you, are all the tools you have at, uh, at your disposal will help you adapt to whomever you dance with. Yeah, and, and you know, again, if you're having a conversation with uh, somebody who might not be like a native English speaker, what are you going to do? You're going to keep it simple. You're going to talk louder. <laughs> You're going to talk really loud <laughs> and really me? slow. Yeah. But, but seriously, you're going, to, you're going to keep it as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. If, that, if English isn't their native language and uh, you know, they're, they're just learning, you're going, to, you're going to keep it simple. Oh, a uh, long time ago, I was with a Japanese woman and I was studying Japanese. And I got so hung up on the conjugations. And it's pretty, you know, Japanese is... It's kind of intense. And her brother, because he had come here and learned English, and so he had experienced learning a language, and he said, communication is your goal. Keep it, like, for now, get your point across. Don't try to make it sound perfect, because you don't even know how to communicate the basic point you're trying to make. And sometimes we get lost in those details. Uh, we try to perfect things before we're even aware of what we're trying to do in the first place, you know? Yeah, and, you know, me, like even in the English language, I barely have a grasp of the English language. Yeah. And it's my first language. I just try to keep, you know, everything as simple as possible, even in English. And, you, like, I, like, you know, as far as authors, that would be like Hemingway. You know what I mean? Like he's Sorry. simple and straightforward and easy to read, you know. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, be like somebody like James Joyce. Yeah, that guy. Who's just you can't fucking I read can't it. Fucking read yeah, it. it's just like, you know, 
Um, I don't even know. What. I tried. I've tried to read James, James Joyce, Joyce too. I'm thinking of, or is it? Oh yeah. It probably is. Yeah, it's it's challenging or hard crazy. Yeah, Ulysses and I think Finnegan's Wake and mm-hmm. some of those ridiculous books that you can't read. And for all you people that can read James Joyce, go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> bullshit. You definitely still don't understand what he's trying to say. Um, so I wanted to know because. I mean, I guess I kind of can put it together in my head because I've I've started with nothing and developed some kind of, but I'm not a dentist. I I'm just curious how one goes from you know graduating school to like you know now you have a practice here, you have patients, you have a nice house. Uh, how immediate is that, or how long does that take to build? Did you start at another practice or yeah. another place? Well, I I kind of got out of dental school and I did my resume. It's not only, like, as a teacher, I'm sorry to interrupt, like a tango teacher, you know what I need? I need shoes and, like, a nice pair of clothing. You need, like, fucking hundreds of thousand dollars worth of equipment. And that is not something, I don't No, I mean, I wish all I needed was shoes and clothes. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Seriously. You know, and that's kind of one of, like, the benefits of, like, me not having to pay you know, a half a million dollars to NYU in student loans. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm having gone to Buffalo. So, I, I mean, I, I had significant student loans, but nothing compared to, you know, what I would have had. So, yeah, it was it was getting out of my residency and then finding a job. And back in the day, like, you know, you looked in the newspaper, like the New York Times. Right. You know, and, uh, yeah, got a job and every interview that I went on it was like this like shitty office because when you start out like unless you know somebody mm. you know you go into like crappy office after crappy office and uh, I mean I hate to say this but I ended up I ended up taking the job that had the cutest girls working in the office <laughs> I figured I needed a reason to go to work I'm sure Tango people will understand yeah yeah I mean I, I, I whether they're female i get it it's like am i gonna take the shitty office with the ugly girls or the <laughs> shitty office with the cute girls yeah um and are I, you like at that point doing kind of like grunt dentistry like fillings and, and like this yeah. simple shit like you're not because now you're like the fucking master you're doing like so i do a lot of that'll like fuck people's lives up forever yeah yeah up. i do uh, a lot of high-end reconstructions and stuff yeah. Yes, yeah, so basically I started out doing grunt work. Again, when I mean shitty offices, I mean like when you get out of school, unless you, you know, I know somebody. I because of my Medicare. Yeah, yeah you go office. in like a basic yeah. office. And, uh, you know, I had this one patient who, you know, I was doing a lot of work on her and everything that I was doing was failing. And <clears throat> I said... Uh, but like she was okay. Well, she had a lot of... No, it's not like I was, like, fucking her up or anything okay. like that, but, like... It just wasn't, like, sticking or whatever. No, 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 like, she had, like, she was, like, a, you know, really compromised as far as her, her situation goes. And then I'm like, all right, let me try doing this, and then that would fail. Let me try doing that, and nice. then that would, wouldn't work. Right. Um, and that kind of, like, put a spark under my ass, and I'm like, I'm not going to go through my profession just, like, you know, not being able to fix people like this. So, uh, you know, I found out who to study with. You know, I went down to Florida. I studied with this guy, Pete Dawson. 
And uh, then the big change was, at that time I met a, a good friend of mine who was a ceramist, who was also on this path of growing and learning. So we started doing a lot of these classes and everything together. And uh, then we had to, went out, I went out to Seattle to this place called the Koi Center, who's, this guy became one of my mentors. Uh, probably the best dental educator in the world. And, you know, definitely world-renowned. You can go to China and people know who he is. And uh, probably in the past hundred years, the, the most significant person in the field as far as uh, growth and change. So he became... In, in like expanding the field. Expanding the field and, and, and doing predictable treatment based on science. Mm. And uh, so he became my mentor. So I went out there and I studied with him for many years. And again, each, then I would like, I left the crappy office, I went to a better office. Mm -hmm. Kept on learning, kept on learning, kept on learning. Went from that office, then went to a better office. And my whole thing was saving money and I wasn't gonna open up my own practice until I was able to handle anything that could walk into my office. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I practiced probably for about eight or nine years prior to opening up my own space. Is this your first space? And this Definitely. is, well, it's uh, not necessarily my first space. My first space was in Manhattan on uh, 39th and Madison. And uh, I rented space there. And so then you I had moved. access to the equipment you needed? Because yeah, you yeah, 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 yeah. Space. Is that how it normally works? Because it can I mean, go a number of different ways. You stuff. could buy you yeah. could buy an existing practice. You okay. could rent out space in somebody's office and build there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I ended up on 39th and Madison, and then I moved down to Washington Square West. And I rented space on Washington Square West. Do they so in, me in dental school, they teach you the, the medicine. Do they teach you the business? No. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Because, you, you know, you gain all these skills, and then it's kind of like... Poof, yeah, no, I mean, the whole business thing was like, you know, especially for me, I'm more of an artist than, uh, you know, my, I kind of, I'm a very visual person. So, you know, learning the business side, I had to, you know, hire consultants and bring people in and kind of teach me how to run an office, hmm. you know, deal with overhead and deal with uh, staff, and staff and taxes and uh, payroll and all this kind of stuff. So I got a really good accountant. And I got a consultant to help me, you know, manage my office and figure out how to run an office. And then that's kind of how I learned the business side. Wow. So, yeah, it, it was it was a whole nother ball of wax. It was a whole nother yeah. way of thinking. Um, again, that's not necessarily my strong suit. So I make sure that I have people well, around yeah, me people that, yeah, exactly. that can do it. Like I, if I didn't have my accountant, you know, tax season comes every year. Try, probably try to kill myself mm -hmm. but you know tax season rolls around every year and all my quarterlies have been paid and everything has been taken care yeah. of and, and it's worth it to pay that person to do that it's for me and it's, yeah yeah so yeah it was uh the business side i kind of learned you know you have to learn on your own it's because mm -hmm. it's sink or swim you start a business it's like it's like any other business you have to deal with overhead you have to deal with staff you have to deal with uh, and you have to deal with the whole dentistry part. It's not like I'm managing an office and I'm right. just managing an work. office. Yeah, I'm yeah, like yeah. working all kind of roles. So, yeah. yeah. So then I uh, 
went to Washington Square Park, and after Washington Square Park, I came back home. Back to Shaolin, Staten Island, <laughs> from the Wu Tang Clan. Uh, has the reality of the 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 what the work you do is so like I teach people how to dance tango, and I try really hard not to. Even if, I don't think I've ever walked into a class and just been like, eh, just fucking do the cross. I don't care. Like, I really give it my all. But it's not really, at the end of the day, gonna, like, change somebody's smile or fuck them up for life. Do you, has the stress, have you ever felt that enormity of pressure or has it dissipated over time? Or do you still feel it? How is that? Because that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, for a long time it was hard to... You know, a lot of people can go to work and leave their work at work. Mm -hmm. And for many, many years, I was never able to leave my work at work. Like, it was always... (laughs) (laughs) But no, I see what you mean. Yeah, no, but even... Like, like now I could actually leave my work at work, Mm -hmm. you know. But for a long time, it was... Yeah, no, it was... And it's an extremely stressful position, uh, uh, you know, profession. You are... And part of it is because people are stressed coming to you. You know, you have to make them feel super comfortable. And occasionally there's some discomfort that comes along with it. And you also have to deal with the fact that, you know, things don't always go perfectly. You know, uh, managing risk. You yeah, know, ma- a lot. Yeah, managing risk in what you do. And it, it, it takes experience and uh, a lot of time to, to realize that not everything does go perfectly, but no when it's going to go well and know when it's not going to go well. And let's say you're in the middle of a procedure and you know it's not going to go well. I mean, because you don't, it's not like you can call your dad. Or, you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to call somebody, hey, uh, uh, fuck, I can't finish this. Can you come over here? Uh, have you have you ever felt like you might not pull this one off and then you, you did or or maybe you didn't? I don't know. Like, what happens if a dentist can't do it? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. <laughs> no, it's, it's a good point. And there's only been one time in my career that, like, you know, I was doing a, a surgery, uh, a ex- really, really difficult extraction. And um, I had to call my oral surgeon friend and say, can you take this one over? But that was it. That was just once, and that was a long time ago. But it's humbling to do that. Yeah. But you have to put the patient's care first. Yeah, not your ego and all this. So, yeah, like yeah. if you if you ever get into a situation that you, you feel like this is above what I can do or be above my training, close it up and send them out, mm. you know? Oh, but you can at least close them up and send them out. You're not, you know, there's a... There's yeah, a I mean, there's... You can, you can it, like, temporarily... Depends on how person. deep you're going, yeah. but, you know, but, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Again, I do a lot of complex reconstructions and I do surgeries and, and, and stuff like that. So I'm trained in a lot of that stuff. So I kind of know the risks that are involved before I d- I'm doing them. Yeah. So I haven't, again, that was kind of in the beginning of my career when that happened. I haven't gotten I got myself into that situation. I just remember the one time you came to Jersey and we were at a Milan, we were going to teach. And there was this old guy there, older guy, and he's like, oh, you know, he recognized you. I don't know if you remember this. We were in Red Bank. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. looked at me, and he's like, this is the dentist that the other dentists go to. <laughs> I 
I was like, God damn. It's Dr. Mike, serious motherfucker, you know? Because I think that guy was a dentist, or, or maybe not, but he was, or he'd come to you. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's not like you're just doing, it's like you're the pitcher on the baseball team. You're not just the guy in the outfield, I mean, in your field. Like you're no, again, it's, it's I, I had you that one. You decided to sign up for the, take it as far as you can go, kind of. I mean, kind of in my opinion, that's kind of what you should do, though. Well, yeah, but a lot of people don't. And there's nothing wrong with not feeling that way, but that's just how you how you go. That's you do Tai Chi. Um, I don't know how long it's been since you've been, you know, knee deep in it, but you also took that pretty far because you were going on retreats. I mean, any, I guess any Yahoo can go on a retreat, but you were showing me the, the 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 moment when you were like there was like thirty people in a circle around you, and they were like bouncing off of you, or in Colorado or something. It was in uh, Sedona in Sedona. Arizona. Yeah, and that was what uh, Michaela's dad. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Rick, right? Rick, yeah. Uh, so you get you get pretty far with that too. Yeah, I have this thing where everything that I do that um, I'm into, I kind of take it deep. You know, I mean, even the tango. Oh, yeah. Well, like I've been doing it for four and a half years without really missing. I mean, know? there's certain things like tango you can't. Well, people do, but you can't really not do it deep if you want to actually enjoy it. Yeah. And listen, there's certain things that you're more proficient at than others, you know? So, like, you know, I was very proficient at, like, something like Tai Chi. I'm very proficient at my profession. Um, tango in the beginning, I wasn't very proficient. <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah. took a, it took a lot of... It was probably, you know, it was super difficult. I mean... I, it was, you know, I wasn't young anymore. I wasn't 20 years old. Like, I mean, you, you started when you were, what, 21? 21, yeah. You know, I was, like, close to 40, you know, when I started tango. And uh, having been proficient in many things in my life and then having to get up in the New York City tango scene and suck in front of a lot of people, you know, when you're not really used to sucking. Yeah. You or know. you haven't sucked at something in a long time. Yeah. It was, uh, it was difficult but you know what i mean that's how you grow and that's how you learn and yeah i'm the type of person that when i get into something i i go deep it's not i'm not a really a dabbler you know i mean i i do a lot of things i've done a lot of things but i've done a lot of things pretty deeply yeah i think tango attracts i mean attracts people that are uh crazy that are deep (laughs) So I have this, like, because I think you would have interesting insight. Uh, I don't know where this came from the other day. I was just thinking about things that I might want to talk to you about. Um, Potential. People's potential. Um, I think a lot of people don't. When I was younger, I was was just fucking up all... I mean, I, I don't know if that's the right way to put it. I just, you know... Basically, I got the. I heard this a lot. You have so much potential. <laughs> oh, and I'm talking young. I'm talking like 15, 16, you know. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of people, you know, not in ta- just in life that, for whatever reason, they don't wanna or even acknowledge they have potential or believe in themselves enough to try to achieve anything. And uh, curious what motivated you 
Is it a motivational thing that, it, that, that you are intrinsically going deeper, or do you think you were motivated by something or someone a long time ago, you know, to go to medical? What, what, what sort of sparks your drive, your, your ability to use your potential and grow? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's, it's a motivation. It's just, you know, you brought up the word curiosity earlier, mm-hmm. you know, curiosity with people. And again, it's more than a curiosity. I like I, I get into something and I'm curious about it, but then I, it's like I need to know how it works at its depth. You know, like I, I you know, like I, you know, even like you know, this is a tango podcast. So let's bring it back to tango. Like I, like I'll see somebody like Horacio dance, and like I could see the depth there. Like even when he's not moving, like I know there's so much shit going on. Um, and it's like, it's this need to know. I'm, 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 I don't know, sometimes it's like kind of like a curse, like that I'm not a very, you know, surface type person that, you know, I can't just like glaze over things and be like, oh, that's nice. But like, I need to like find out why and how. And uh, I think that it brings something out of us, about of the, of the self, like, the more you understand how, how like tango works or something goes, you, the more you can be an individual as, as, as you do it. There's like, I was writing stuff down on the way here and thinking about like, you know, in terms of tango, I was like, you learn how to do it. You learn how to move, you learn how to lead stuff, you learn how to, then you learn why. Why do I choose to do this? You kind of need to be nurtured on that. Why do I lead the cross on the five? Or why, why, why do I learn how to phrase? Why do I learn? And then eventually, it's not conscious anymore. It's the self-expressing. And so maybe like you're always yearning to, to be your true self in these things and not always just kind of following the, the, the agenda. I don't know, like you're either outside doing it, looking in, or you're inside creating it but until that, until you reach that level of depth, it's not your true self going. It's not your true self reacting. Yeah, know? no, and you're 100% right. I mean, think about it. It's kind of like with anything. You know, it's like with art and with painting. And I, and I know, and again, there's different people that learn things differently. So, I mean, for me, you know, like learning how to paint, like I, I feel like I can't truly express myself until I have that, I need to learn the structure to break the structure. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? I need to like really have it before I could like truly express it, mm-hmm. you know? And sometimes it takes a long time to like truly get it. Well, then you bring up structure and I was thinking about this as well, because in terms of, again, like I kind of, I'm relating all this to tango because that's what, how we met and you know, that's the theme, but then also life in general. And I'm not one of those people that sits around and goes like, oh, tango's a metaphor for life, but it is. It maybe. is. Um, there's like a st- I was thinking about social structures and it's interesting because I saw the Frida Kahlo exhibit yesterday and when she finally got a show in New York the writer for the magazine I forget which one if you read the review it's very it's kind of condescending it's like oh you know the wife of Diego Rivera uh, the little lady da 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 but this is like you know going back to a different era and she read it and she loved it you know that's what, at least that's what they said in the exhibit. 
nowadays, you know, you, you hear that and you're like, what the fuck? But this is a structural way of thinking. This is like, uh, this is the way it is. So you're talking, you were saying something about uh, breaking the, the mold, breaking the structure. Sometimes it's, in order for an artist or a dancer to move something forward, they need to find their voice. And I think if you intentionally try to break a structure, you're just as phony as if you never really learned it in the first place and you just pretended to do it. But if you're just expressing your voice, then maybe you're breaking a structure, maybe you're just helping an art form grow and evolve. I think like something that bothers me is the word traditionalist. Like people are like, oh, I'm so traditional. I don't, you know, it's, it should always be like this. And in a way it's like, well, then we should always treat people the way we treated them 20 years ago. And you know, where, where do you draw the line between like progress and, and, uh, growing something and still uh, respecting its roots, but not being married to like the original concepts. Yeah. I mean, and take it back to tango. Like if you're gonna, or like the dentist you studied with in Seattle. Yeah. I mean, you said he's like change the game right yeah the beauty of him is that he's so dynamic yeah. that he's not stuck in structure but he had a lot of structure yeah yeah but you get to a point where you it's don't like if you're a doctor you just drink a soda <laughs> yeah no <laughs> I, doc, we have medicine now it, don't need to drink a soda no exactly i mean you learn you learn from from what comes before you mm-hmm. i mean that's how we learn you know, and then you take that and you're like, you know what, that, that doesn't work for me. Right. All right, let me do it differently. And that's how progress happens. And that's how progress happens in art. And that's how progress happens in tango. In life. If you was in, in life. But, you know, you can't, you can't look at ta- uh, tango or, or art or, or whatever and be like, I'm just going to disregard all that because then no, it's no sure. longer tango. Yeah. yeah. You know, then who the hell knows what it is? You could say, oh, this is tango. But like. You never learn the art of tango, so yeah. it's not a, necessarily a derivative of, of the art of, of, of tango or, or the art of painting or, or classical painting or, or, you know, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so I think it's important to, to honor what comes before us, uh, but not be Beholden. held into that. You know? I mean, I, I, uh, I had a patient who was... Uh, we worked with Picasso in the 40s or 50s or something like that. And he, uh, he taught color theory at Cooper Union. And we would sit down and just talk. He would come in for appointments and then we would talk and he explained how Picasso worked. That he, he didn't just like go off into this crazy cubist, you know, derivative. Like he started with structure and he broke that structure down. You know, I mean, if you look at Picasso's early works, he was as classically trained as anybody could oh, be. Oh, God. And that was when he was a fucking child. And he was 14 By the time years he old. he was 16 or 17, he was already breaking the genre because he was, he'd mastered it so well. That yeah. He was like, the shit he could do with a pencil, just the, the life figures that he drew, were, uh, I would spend 25 years trying to do that. You it's know? amazing. It's insane. You know? Yeah. But that's how he's able to, to progress so quickly through all, yeah. you know, and, and, and break ground so many different times like he was just always constantly breaking ground and it you know kind of tended to be like 
with each each new woman that he was with. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> but either way, like you know, mute the the muse. I mean, that's a whole nother ball game. Yeah. But um, but yeah, like I I think it's important to to know the structure in order to break the structure. And that's like kind of what I tell my my. Uh, I mean, I'm a teacher too. I teach uh, aesthetic dentistry at NYU, mm-hmm. uh, in an international program there. And I give the patient structure. I'm like, this is how you prepare a veneer. Okay? You cut, you measure, you cut, you measure. You know exactly what you're doing. And then... You have to really respect the structure. Absolutely. Because otherwise you would get tired of it. Otherwise you get lost. Like, I still really respect the structure. I don't mean to steal your, your point, but I just, I really respect the structure of the dance. And I'm always going back to it. As much as when I social dance, I kind of find my voice and sing but when I'm teaching I'm like so in love with the structure and I I believe it if you really understand it and really value it it will take you where you want to go with the individuality you know so you have to you know as much as like maybe you know learning the veneer cut veneer what were you saying cut yeah yeah, do you measure you cut like it may sound redundant or, or something but it's obviously something you value yeah, but it's 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 all right. It's it's okay. It's more like what you're talking about. Like, all right, you do the cross on the fifth beat. That's where you hit the cross, you know. F- but technically, you can hit it anywhere. No, no, of course, yeah. But it's just sometimes that accent is perfect. Yeah. 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 So it's it's kind of the same thing. It's like learn this, and then know this. Like and then do it differently and realize. And then like if if you see something that's slightly different or you have to make a modification, you know when, where, why, and how, yeah. you know? And it's not just random. You know what you're doing, why you're doing it, and how you're doing it. Yeah, I mean, I learned that way, and I like to, and because of that, I, I like to teach that way. It's like, sometimes we teach a class, and we, we, you know, we say, do this on this beat, and then students come back with something like, well, you know, but I feel like, you know, I feel like I want to do it here. And I'm like, I get that. But for me as a student, when I could like replicate one of my teachers, like hands down, like Gustavo, whoever, you know, then I knew I had the permission to fucking do whatever I wanted. But until I got there, I was just making excuses for why I couldn't do what the fuck they were doing. Exactly. Then you're just doing whatever you want. Yeah, and, and doing whatever you want to may sound free, but you're not really... There's no intention. There's no. You're not really doing whatever you want to. You're doing whatever you can manage to come up with. Because <laughs> doing whatever you want to means you can do whatever you don't want to as well as whatever you want to. And when you want to do when it. When you want to do it. You know. And until you can like fucking copy that shit to the fucking point of the beat, whether it's the two of the vaults or like the most crazy thing. I don't know. I would, I just find that. Really yeah, but that's that's where the true expression comes. Yeah. That's the true expression, because it's not just randomly doing it, because it's not random. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, you're super specific on when you're doing it and why you're doing it, and that's where the freedom comes. Yeah, that's like Picasso's. That's like Picasso. He, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't random in anything that he was doing. So I want to change the subject, because we're part, we're going to have to do another one, because this is already an hour feel like we have plenty left to talk about but i do want to talk to you about one thing because we talked about this off the mic you're a dentist do you advocate flossing (laughs) (laughs) yeah i do twice a day 
Listen. You told me it's different when we were on the mic. <sighs> this is kind of how I feel. Okay. And this is like my true feelings on floss. When you eat, you get shit caught between your teeth. <laughs> Sometimes. You do, right? Yeah, no shit. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying like flossing will decrease periodontal disease and blah, blah, blah. I'm saying that like you're going to get stuff caught in your teeth and you want to get this shit out. Otherwise, it's going to start stinking up. If you get meat in your teeth, you don't think it's going to start decaying in your mouth and start smelling? Yeah, it does. So I, that's kind of gross, but like, that's the real reason why I floss. Like, you don't want shit in your teeth. I don't want shit in my teeth. Yeah, I don't want it just like, feels weird. yeah, decaying flesh in my teeth. Why do we have to end the, the podcast on this? I just, I just wanted <laughs> it's to... like the worst way to end the podcast. No, because I think a lot of people. I've been misinformed about the importance of or not importance of flossing. I know I was told because you know your gum lines recede or this or this or that, and you're a professional and you're really just saying, well, there's you know there's shit in your teeth, get it out. <laughs> that's that's the truth though. You know I'm not even talking about the 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 consequences of having shit in your teeth as far as bacteria and potential inflammation and bone loss. I'm just talking about like. Yeah, get the shit out of your teeth. But it, would, it could lead to all that stuff, though. It could potentially lead to all that stuff, too. And it depends on your your uh, your susceptibility, of course. Yeah. I mean, there's some people that are more susceptible to, to you know, gingivitis and periodontal disease than other people. So, yeah, it's, it's all patient susceptibility. There's more people that are susceptible to cavities. It just kind of is what it is. So there's somebody that might never floss ever. And never get any periodontal disease or bone loss. Like yeah, but the breath might stink. You know, breath stinks. <laughs> like, why does your breath smell like ass? Oh, I haven't flossed in thirty years. <laughs> what are you looking at? I'm looking at my notes because. Oh yeah, I was gonna ask you about you know you're doing this party tonight. You you're you you're also really busy though, but. Have you ever considered, like, trying to start something in Staten Island? Maybe going to a local restaurant and being like, like I did on the way here, like, hey, uh, can I teach a class here? No. No? No. Um, yeah, no, I, I, and I'm not saying that, that, you know, I had briefly talked to Robin about, you know, because uh, there's some colleges in Staten Island, mm-hmm. and... You know, again, I mean, you got to give Robin tons of credit for what he's done. Yeah. I mean, it's super amazing the fact that he's, you know, NYU and Columbia and Princeton and just constantly bringing new people into the community and teaching. And, you know, I mean, that's how you started out, right? You started out Robin, kind of? No, no, I did. I mean, he didn't bring me in, but when I moved to New York, I moved here specifically because I came to visit several times and I was like shopping around for places to dance and teachers and like Robin immediately gives you like his full attention you know he sees a young person and he's just like you come to my class you know he's just really nurturing in that way very fucking intense but you know in a good way <laughs> um, no he's, he's he's like the, the little ent- like he's still at it I mean this is 15 years ago I started and he's still in that same, he hasn't like dropped a beat. I mean, he's still like running up to kids that are like, you, 
you know, it's it. I think New York City is extremely owes him a lot more than people may realize. Yeah, no, I effort because it's fucking exhausting. I've I don't really I don't do beginner stuff. I don't have a problem with beginners, but it's fucking exhausting. And he's he's on the ball, man. Goddamn. Yeah, he's on the ball, and so he's. He, he hit you up for. Uh, well, no, we. I, I, it was uh, one of the Maleches, and we were just mm-hmm. spoke briefly, and he mentioned, you know, colleges in Staten Island. He's like, you know, says so something like, "Why don't you teach in colleges in Staten Island?" I was like, "I don't know. Never really thought about it." But um, yeah, I mean, who knows what what'll happen in the future? I mean, it's definitely some untapped. Uh, well, you're busy as hell. Yeah. That's another ninety-year week that that's gone. Yeah, but I was just curious. Yeah, but Maybe in the, your plus I'm days. seeing how much you know. This is my second uh, Staten Island Malanga that I'm hosting tonight, and I see the uh, effort that goes into planning a party and putting that on and and uh, doing the invites and you know following up with people and just like I mean, even now, like you know we're. It, I, I often wonder this about celebrities who are like always doing interviews and always promoting the next film. And the, uh, I used to think like, well, you're you're fucking famous, man. What are you what are you doing? You're you're Brad Pitt. You're so and so. Like you made it. You're good. And then now somebody who's in a field where you're on your you're this, like and you're a dentist. Like you have patience, but you're still sending flyers out. I'm sure you're still like kind of looking for new business because it's it's never ending. Um, you know, we'll have the next seminar coming up. And Chico will tell you, like, th- a week prior to that, I'm like, oh, I don't think we're going to get anybody. <laughs> Nobody fucking cares. And because, like, a week before, we only have eight, four couples, you know, or whatever, and then at the last minute, we get the rest. But Or we'll do Malaleche, and it's like, oh, I don't think any, you know. Even after you're established, quote-unquote established, there's still a lot of insecurities that are, they never end. Yeah, I think it's the nature of, having your own business yeah, or technically being sure like thing. an independent contractor it's type thing? It's kind of funny when you work for other people. I don't think you consider that as, as much. You're just like, oh, I'm going to work. I work for this place and I'm going to be fine and I'm going to work until I'm 60 and I'm going to... And you don't realize your boss is probably stressing the fuck out all the time. <laughs> yeah, they I'm going to pay my employees and I don't know how people come. <laughs> like my, uh, you know, my staff... They're not worried about that stuff. I mean, they they they're they're fantastic at what they do, and they're fantastic at like, I, mean, I wouldn't say drumming up new business, but being who they are, so that people well, want to come back. Yeah, yeah, you know, sure. but but at the end of the day, they're not like going home, going, you know, I hope we get this many new patients, or yeah. I hope we get like a new veneer case next week, or you know, they're not thinking that. Uh, and I have a lot of friends that are actors, and I've, I've had uh, one friend and patient who was, uh, she's fairly famous, and, uh, and I remember when she stopped acting for a little while to have her first child, like, there was like a lull there, mm-hmm. where like, her getting back in and getting those roles again was like, a little difficult, and yeah, she was like a little nervous, she was like, and- she was like, shit. What the fuck's gonna happen? Yeah, you know, and so I think it happens to everybody. You know, I think it's just the nature of, you know, being out on your own, 
and having your own business so being an independent contractor and 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 that's just kind of the nature of, of the way it is like hoping that that people are going to show up and people are going to come in and, and it's interesting like you bring up you know your staff like all the little like we have the women that work at the, the the desk for the classes you know they're fucking friendly they're really nice but there's been times in the past where the previous employees at the dance studio they were there just to move on to the next job and like students walk in and they're like hey I'm here to sign up for Tango and they're like yeah and you're like I'm, in the, I'm standing there the teacher like oh fuck there goes a potential student because this person is having a bad day or we have the woman who works somebody works the door I'm not gonna say who and like she's having a bad night and then like these people walk in and it's like yeah what do you want and you're like you know um, you're the first fucking person they see when they walk in the door I, I, you know we're not gonna name to names I know who you're talking about but like and they're here to see their friends but you're the first fucking person they see and if that's the first fucking thing they see that's not cool. And at the same time, I know the person that you're talking about, and it's super important for her, for people to fucking show up. And it's certain. Well, it's also important for her to people to show her respect. And I do see. I defend her. I'll fucking defend her because a lot of people show up at Milongas and they're fucking rude. They walk in, they throw their money down. Like in New York, and I don't know how it is in other cities. There's like a. It's just customary. We take your name. You get a fucking wristband or a stamp. This is pretty much everywhere. And some people <laughs> walk in and they're like, "Hey, what's?" And it's. I think it's nice to ask people their fucking name because then we know who you are. You're not just like a little dick on the no, on a piece of paper. Hey, what's your name? And some people are like, "Why do you want to know my name?" It's like because it's that's just what we do, man. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I hear her. I get her side too because some people are very rude. There was a time when my dad worked the door. And nobody, somebody came in and was like rude. And they didn't know that was my dad. And I think at some point I made an announcement and I was like, oh yeah, by the way, my dad's, you know, he's helping under the door. And the same person came over and they're like, oh, oh, that's your dad. Like he, and now all of a sudden he's a nice guy to my dad because he realizes that he's a worth being nice to. And my point is like, just fucking be nice, you know? Such bullshit, just man. be nice to the fucking person. I, uh, this brings up a, story that just popped into my head if you don't mind me telling it that after my snowboarding accident when i took my leave of absence from school a friend of mine got me a job as a waiter in this restaurant in manhattan it's a place called 26 hudson it was only around for like a couple of years but it was like a hot spot for a little while and one of the waitresses there her father was like a huge orthopedic surgeon i mean this guy was like top of the line and she was there in between semesters at college, and she was the sweetest girl you could ever meet. And she didn't have to work there. She didn't need the Bonnie. Her father was like a multi-multi-millionaire. But she was doing it because she, she wanted to work, and she wanted to make her own money. And I remember like her waiting on tables and people treating her like shit. And I'm thinking, like, if only like these people knew that like she didn't need to be here. She was just like... She was just doing it just because she's a hard-working girl. And just, she was just get it, having a work ethic. And then, like, I saw all the other people that were working there. And who's an actor or who's a writer or who's... And it, it, it didn't make sense how people would come in and, and create this hierarchy. Like, you're waiting on me, so yeah. I'm better than you. And it 
fucking piss me off. But yeah, and here's the thing. I was just home. We'll, we'll, we'll pick this up another week. But I was just home in Cleveland. And my friend Jason's mother, mother his parents took us out to a nice dinner. Uh, and in Cleveland, if you go to a fancy restaurant, they treat you, I feel like, they treat you in such a way that they want you to treat them like shit. It's like they're extra nice. It's like, welcome, sir. You know, it's so fucking over the top. And at one point, and we're just so chill. Like, you know, his parents are well off. They're doctors. Like, they, they go out to this place all the time. We live in New York, and, and I go to nice places enough that, like, I'm used to nice places in New York, but the waiters, they don't treat you any extra special. It's just, I mean, it's just fucking, it's just normal. So anyway, at one point, the waitress comes over, and she's like, I just want to tell you guys, it's such a relief having you here because you're so laid back. And I remembered, like, you know, I used to work at a restaurant like that in Cleveland, and people come in, and, like, it's half their agenda is to treat somebody like shit that night. And I looked at this woman, and I said, well, of course, we're here to have dinner and hang out. Like, why wouldn't we be laid back and enjoy this moment? And, you know, but it just, and I spoke to Jason because he's living in here now for a long time, but he's from Cleveland. And he's like, yeah, I remember because he grew up with parents who were, he's like, yeah, like people who go out here, it's like all of a sudden they're a step up. You're the waiter. I'm here to eat nice food. And means I'm going to fucking put, I'm just going to be a fucking asshole. I don't know. And it's total bullshit. It's almost like the mentality. We don't. We don't have time right now to go deeper, but uh, this whole, like, let's let's keep this going because this this well, kind like of annoys this, me this, like, too. Standard of like where we live in the world today. Like if I can put somebody below me down, it gives me this step up. You know whether it's the Irish and the Italians a long time ago, or the blacks and the whites, or whatever the fuck's happening now. The immigrants, and you know it's like always like I need to be a little bit better than them because it gives me value. It gives me something. And this brings it all back to tango. <laughs> Seriously, because this is a tango podcast. Mm-hmm. And in tango, you can have somebody that's an artist. You can have somebody that's a bartender. You can have somebody that has a PhD in physics. And you can have all these different people. And at the same time, we're all just people dancing tango. Yeah, that's what's so fucking cool. And that's kind of the beauty of it. Did you see Oliver's film, Fermented Tango, Fermented Yeah, that was uh, shit that came out like literally when I started dancing. But there's, he's very, what he did in that film, which was cool, was like, he really shows you like, he shows the scene of the guy shining the shoes outside of the hospital. It's like a homeless guy or something, really poor. But when he's out at night at the Milonga, he's the fucking... Mac Daddy. And, and that it doesn't is like, matter. It doesn't matter. Your social status outside, it doesn't matter at all when you walk in there. But I would guarantee you that that motherfucker shined some great shoes. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's got pride. Yeah. He's got a lot of pride. Yeah. yeah and he, he takes it. pride in his dancing. He's going to take pride in his shoe shining. That's for yeah, sure. That's sure. So, yeah. And that's kind of what it all comes down to. And that's, you know, I mean, I guess we could, I don't know how long we are into this but i know we have a party coming up we in got about a party. I mean, people are gonna show up any minute now. 12 minutes that people are gonna start but you know we'll kind of end on this and you know coming full circle to you doing this podcast is finding the stories of all these people dancing tango yeah you know and it's like we're all just people living this experience and the thing that we have in common is dancing tango right you know and like and i get like some people I've approached, you know, they're 
they they like the anonymity of going out, being social, but being secret. And then other people are like, oh, you can get to know me a little bit more. I'll be on the show, and that's cool. Like I I I respect both because I I also kind of miss the days when I would just go to a place, and I'm sure I could do it again somewhere, like go to China or somewhere and just show up and be like fucking that guy. I don't know. And then you gotta like. Earn what your are you strength. trying to say? You're famous. Uh, in this little bubble of the United States, <laughs> I'm not gonna, like, well, especially with Facebook, you know, yeah. But I remember a long time ago going to Berlin for one of the first times. I was terrified. You know, I'd been dancing eight or seven years at this point, so I, you know, I'm so worried. And I just felt very satisfied because at the end of the night, a friend of mine from uh, I forget where, his name's Marco. He used to live in New York. He came over and he's like, "All the girls over there were waiting for you to dance with them all night, and all you did was dance with the, like, you know." The regular people or whatever and I was like yeah but you know I'm a regular person and well I, I felt fucking great don't get me wrong and I danced with those girls later but I also felt like they just put themselves in a place where I wasn't they weren't accessible and the regular people were sitting there smiling like like you know normal people do it in Milonga waiting for somebody to ask you I'm not gonna that's where I'm gonna be you know so but I did feel great after that you know <laughs> like, a little stroke of the ego never hurts no it's great like you should do it like go to a festival go to a, a, like a place and just you know you, you, you go in you start to really yeah you just feel good you worked all this time put all this time in and that's nice I mean you've you've already felt that you know but isn't that feel good like when you you dance with somebody and then later on they're still looking around for you and you're like ah oh, that's cool it uh it 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 feels really good when women enjoy dancing with you for sure. Yeah. And I, I but, and that's why I give it a lot of compliments, not just in tango, but just in general. You know, it's like people like to feel good. Like make them feel good. Mm-hmm. Like if you enjoy dancing with somebody, tell them I enjoy dancing with you. Like make them feel good. Yeah. Like it's just, it's it's you know, if you have a good time though, be like, I enjoyed that. You know. Yeah, I mean, life's too fucking short. It's too fucking short. Plus, I don't know. I don't know. It it, it could make somebody's night. Like, even somebody that's a beginner, like, you know? I mean, I'm sure there's been moments when I was, like, trying to get started in teaching, dancing for a couple of years in New York, which can be kind of brutal. And somebody said one thing, and I probably kept dancing for another month or two. Just for that reason. Really? You know? My first time dancing in New York, I didn't live here yet, and I went to a milonga, and somebody was really insulting to me, this woman, she like left me in the middle of the tanda, and like, I, went, I, was, I just left and went across the street and got drunk, I was like, fuck this shit. But I also felt like, I'm gonna fucking come back, I'm gonna work on this. However, I could have easily quit, a lot of people easily quit in those situations, you know? So I'm gonna bring this into a store, <laughs> another story, I'm sorry, this is dragging on. But a few years back... <sighs> There was a girl, we were at Mala Leche, uh-huh. and you were like, Mike, you should dance with that girl. She's she's a really nice dancer. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so, so, so you set me up, man. So I went up, I asked her to dance, and she said no. I figured she was, she was going to say yes, and she was like, uh-uh. And I was like, okay. And then I w- turned around, I walked away, and you were just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you were laughing. But then, like... Like you said, like I was like, fuck that, man. All right, there's a reason why she said no. Mm-hmm. Like I got to step up my game. Yeah. 
And then about a year later, she danced with me. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's funny. I wouldn't have laughed if we weren't friends. If you were just like a student, well, you, you know, you kind of are a student, you know, but I wouldn't have definitely, I might have laughed because I just do that. But this reminds me, when I was uh, studying with Tomas Howland, who's a beautiful teacher, we were in Toronto for a festival. And I was sitting next to him, and this woman who I really wanted to dance with, Cecilia Gonzalez, was sitting at the bar. I don't think I've still yet danced with her yet to this day because I never fucking see her. Although she'll be at the Philly Festival at the end of May, so maybe I'll get the opportunity. Anyway, she's sitting at the bar chatting with somebody, and I'm, for the life of me, trying to get her attention, you know. And I look at Tomas, who at the time is my mentor, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you know, I can't get her attention. He, he just like. He, she must have known he was sitting there waiting because the moment I said that he's like yeah watch this and he like looked over and she immediately looked back and he just compensated her and they were like gone and he looked at me and he just started smiling and, <laughs> and I was like and this, this is a guy who's challenged me for the good like I performed once in front of him and I at the end of it I said like I come walking off like strutting what you think he's like you think you're special and I was like, what the fuck? Like, I, I, and I had to DJ the rest of the night. I, I wanted to go home and cry. I was like, what the fuck? He mind fucks you, man. Oh, he finds fucks the shit out of me. <laughs> but then, a couple years later, we were performing in D.C. And we did a valse. And at the end of it, he came over and he was like, that was really good. And I knew. That's a good teacher. He was fucking serious. He didn't just fucking tell me all the time I did good, you know? I mean, yeah, he mind fucked the shit out of me. <laughs> that's just his dark way of like. No, but that's but, a good. That's a good teacher. Yeah, that's somebody that you can trust. That's one of the trust. best compliments I ever got, simply because I, I knew he doesn't give them out. You know, so that was that was cool. All right, so uh, I just got a message from Chico. She's waiting outside in the rain right now. Oh, okay. I guess we should wrap this. I want to finish up. When you make me proud, I will finally compliment you. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's tonight. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap this up. What, the, the margarita's not good? That uh, didn't make you I'll, proud? I'll pick it up. Yeah, yeah, no. It smelled, I told you, from the scent. It, I already could tell it was going to be good. It's because you bought the good mezcal. Well, it's too bad it's not one of those three-hour Joe Rogan podcasts. No, but it potentially could have been. It could potentially, but I think Chico's yeah. ringing the bell right now. All right. All right, thank you, Michael. Ricciardi, my Italian friend. Until next time. It's been a pleasure. So that was a fun show. Uh, Dr. Mike's always been a really cool guy to be around. He's just chill. He's grown up a lot over the years. We didn't get into some of the some of the other stories he has. Maybe next time. Um, but he's definitely kind of like a Zen dude. I like to hang out with. He's got a lot of perspective. And I enjoy just the uh, the idea of like just treating people like treating people well you know, having respect for people, all that good stuff, and, uh, I mean, it's tango, it's a tango community, we're gonna see each other again pretty soon, so, might as well make the most of it, um, thank you all for listening, and like I said before, subscribe and review, or send me feedback if you'd like, um, other than that, take care, enjoy your week, and I'll see you next week.